Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. Or have you spent some time with us, Chip and Zay, on a Wednesday? We are counted down to the NFL playoffs. Playoffs. We are, we got some Texas basketball to talk about. Dylan DeZoo. We've got, of course, football season never ends. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Zay this question right now. Of the players who have said they are leaving, who's the most difficult to replace? Um, probably, can I combine Travandre Sweat and Byron Murphy? Probably those two. Because Teronjre Sweat, we know what he did with the run game. And Byron Murphy, we know what he did in the pass game. So that's – I would combine those two if I'm allowed. If not, then I would just say Trevondre Sweat first. It's kind of like 1A and 1B. I mean, Byron Murphy, he was big time this year. And I think he just kind of went a little underrated because Trevondre Sweat, what he brought to the table was so impactful. But, yeah, I would say those two dudes, that that, that hurts the most because you say it all the time, those dudes don't come around very often. Those are some of the hardest guys to find just to have that type of motor and be at that size. You don't see it. So, for those dudes, T. Sweat and B. Murphy to perform the way they did and just to make all the teams that played against Texas basically one-dimensional and have to go to the passing game, like that's – I think that's going to be missed the most. Yeah. How about yeah, you? I think, I think on the offensive side, A.D. Mitchell, mm -hmm. you know, of the guys who um, had the option of returning – um, I think A.D. Mitchell is the hardest to replace just because the guy, every big moment, he wanted the ball. He he would do anything for his team. He, I mean, look at the highlight reel, the two touchdown catches against Alabama in the fourth quarter, the third and 12 late against TCU the targets in the end zone in the sugar bowl. So I think I, I would say Byron Murphy, since T sweat was out of eligibility, Byron Murphy moving on. I mean, I think Alfred Collins saying he's coming back helps ease the pain of Byron Murphy moving on, even though, you know, Alfred Collins can take another step. He can, he can be, he can have the same kind of year. If he approaches it like a contract year, the way Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy did, he can have the same kind of result because he has more of an NFL body than Byron Murphy. Like Byron Murphy could, depending on how he does it, pro day in the combine, senior bowl, whatever, you know, he's a guy who's going to get, uh, he's only six feet, six, one tops, even though, you know, Aaron Donald is kind of built like, yeah, that. yeah. He's built like, 
Aaron Donald, one of the best of all time, is built just like Byron Murphy. I'm not trying that's, to hear that. That's how the NFL is so stupid. They talk themselves out of good players. And Goose Goslin, my good friend who I worked with at the Dallas Morning News forever, he always said the first round of the NFL draft is about measurables. It's about who looks like you know, Bruce Smith and who looks like Julius Peppers and who looks like you know, insert pro football hall of famer here. And then where you find the value is in the second and third rounds. So it's, it's just funny to me because Byron Murphy's going to be just like Puna Ford has been a plug and play player. You can see who's got the motor. You can see who's going to give you everything he's got on every play at that position. And <clears throat> And Byron Murphy is is that guy. But, yeah, on offense, I mean, Jatavian Sanders, Adonai Mitchell, to me, you got to have you got to have the, the two outside guys to free up the middle for the for the tight end in the middle of the field or that slot receiver. Um, and A.D. Mitchell. Woo gift from the football gods zay what's going on with quinn yours he's like out hunting he's got the deer with the big rack we've seen photos of that we've seen photos of him all dressed up in tarrant county can he slide us a little uh social media post saying yo that's what i'm um, saying i guess he's having his people talk to nfl people you know see what's the word See if it's worth the risk. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. If Quinn's banking on himself, then why not? Again, the dude's made some money in college. So I know, you know, people make talk about Brock Purdy. They ain't making no money as Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy didn't wasn't able to take advantage of NIL and Ames. And it was kind of too late for him while he was going into the NFL. I don't even know if he was really a part of it. So that's Quinn Ewers is a millionaire already. So it would make sense for him to come back in that sense. But also if you want to get to the NFL as quick as possible and think that you could beat out certain guys like Will Levis, he'll probably get taken around there possibly. So Will Levis just kind of waited his turn. Okay, Ryan Tannehill, they're done with him. Okay, now I'm thrown in the mix. I know still question marks there, but again, if Quinn Ewers has confidence in himself to where he thinks that I just got to get on the NFL roster, if I'm with the right system, I'm going to have a pretty successful career, then, hey, maybe he'll leave. But again, with just what you know about how the NFL looks at quarterbacks with scouting and how they want you to play, you know, 30 plus games and hopefully be there for three years so you can have all that tape and experience out there. It just doesn't make sense for Quinn Ewers to come back. But again, not a lot of people are dealing with the Arch Manning stuff. You know, that could be a lot. Like, even for Quinn, I know he's very comfortable with himself. I know that vid that photo that went around where Quinn's looking over his shoulder and Arch is surrounded by reporters and stuff, and everybody's hooping and hollering about that, even though the media was talking to Quinn Ewers for the last two days, like whatever. But still, Quinn Ewers, he might not want to deal with that. He might think, okay, this is a little bit much. 
I'm going to get drafted anyway. I'm paid already. It's not about the money in the first round as much as it is for other guys. Again, banking on myself. This is what the trajectory was supposed to be when he left South Lake Carroll early, did not play his senior year to go to Columbus. And, you know, it's all it's always been about the NFL. Yes, he loves Texas. Yes, he has a lot of pride for Texas. But at the end of the day, Day with what we've known from his camp and the people around him, it's basically been how do we get to the NFL as quick as possible because that arm is special. So, you know, see, and I, a I, pro think, athlete, I think Quinn, um, I think there's a little bit of, you know, I see this from duty, um, <clears throat> duty price. So I'm told. It wasn't all his idea to leave high school early that, you know, that may have come from like other family members who might've needed the money. And yeah, Uncle and Leroy. That, well, I just, I thought Quinn handled that situation really well because that, that kind of stuff can take your love of the game away. And and I think the fact that we heard early on that he was saying he might be coming back was his way of telling, you know, the those in the inner circle who might be falling in love with Quinn going to the NFL, making more money that, hey, I'm doing this on my schedule. I'm taking back control of this situation. And, and so I think that's another reason why Quinn Ewers, self-awareness, self-development, taking that big jump as a second-year player is even more impressive because I just – I don't think Quinn really ever wanted to go to Ohio State, or certainly not on that timetable where he shows up in August, he hasn't spent any time with his teammates, and they're all looking at him like, what are you doing here? Like, even the coaches were like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be here next year. Um, but I, and that, and that's why I feel like, you know, there's still a strong reason to believe that Quinn is going to come back to, to Texas next year. Cause I think he wants to make sure he's ready before he gets thrown into the business of being a quarterback where your livelihood depends on what you're doing game in game out. And, and so I I think there's a little bit of a, you know, obviously the NIL stuff preceded him. Hell, there was a bill proposed in the legislature last year that would allow high school students to accept NIL money. And it was called the Quinn Ewers bill. And the lawmaker who wrote the bill talked about how Quinn Ewers had already received $1.4 million and the lawmakers from Fort Worth. Like, I was like, damn, he's putting my man's business out there. But, you know, I think everyone looked at Quinn was like, oh, he's all about the money. He doesn't, you know, la, la, la. And I think he cares more about, you know, he wanted to win that big 12 championship so bad. He wanted to be remembered as, a guy like Colt McCoy and Vince Young, a guy who led Texas to a championship. And he doesn't 
say it and show it. He kind of did after the Alabama win when he's like, it's time. And, and just how emotional we saw him on the field afterward. There's a lot more inside that guy. I've said he's, he's like an iceberg. There's the part you see on the top of the water. And then there's a whole hell of a lot more underneath the water. And, and so it's, he's a fascinating, he's a fascinating character. And I, I don't, I think he his he's handled the Arch Manning thing. Great. A lesser guy would be like, man, whoa, whoa, whoa. he'd have his, like the antenna ears up every time someone said Arch, he'd be like, what, what, what? He doesn't, he's like, he's so confident in his own ability and the work that he's putting in that he's, he's good. He's comfortable in his own skin. That might get change. Look, Arch is going to keep getting better and better. And who knows what happens? You know, hell, Tom Brady got benched for Drew Henson at Michigan. I mean, and you never know, but it's, uh, I do think there's a little bit of a misnomer when it comes to Quinn and how, you know, since he was the guy who broke the mold and left high school early, I don't think he wanted to do that. I think he wanted to go back to South Lake and win that state championship that eluded him the year before. But, you know, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have reassurance from your coaches that are letting you know, hey, it's your job, you've earned it, we're riding with you, there's no need to look over your shoulder or just have that doubt that you could be benched after a bad game, like, that's definitely a comfort thing if you're Quinn Ewers, and I think that Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milley have done a good job of keeping Quinn comfortable because knowing that the work he's put in, he's earned the starting job, and there's no need to look over your shoulder, and yeah, I feel like if everything that you're saying is right, then it would make sense for Quinn Ewers to come back. If he knows that, hey, I need more time, I want to go to the SEC and see what I can do, you know, I need to put more film out there. The draft in 2025 is not going to be as QB heavy. So, you know, a lot. I want to say Vegas has Quinn to win the Heisman next year, don't they? Yeah. Ain't number one. Like, yeah. you know, with the uh, wide receiver crew that you have coming in, all the guys that you just talked about, A.D. Mitchell being the one that hurts the most. Like, got to replace him. Xavier Wordy, he might be a close second. So is J.T. Sanders. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be a lot of overhaul for the offense and Quinn Ewers. He's going to be a big part of that. But yeah, this interesting. How did CC? How did CC handle your playing time? Like, did he, he give you reassurances? He, he threatened to bench me any chance he could. That was just which again, it didn't work for me. That never worked for me. I, that's what he he didn't understand that. It works for some guys. Some guys, they use that as, oh, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to play tough. That didn't work for me because I was like, I'm better than him. Coach, this is a dumb move. I'm just having a bad game. And we, I used to go at him like that. We used to argue. My mom would have to be like, yo, can y'all shut the hell up? Like, Is this like on the sideline? Huh? No, it was just like, all the time, like, cause that was, that was his motivation tactic. Like Bob, like Bob Knight type stuff. He'd be like, oh, if I bitch him. For rump roast, that's gonna come in and make us even worse. That's gonna get to Zay. 
And I was like, nah. <laughs> like, I looked at it from, like, where we're sitting now, what we do now. I'd be like, if Ronnie Terry put in, I don't know, one of the freshmen prior for Dylan DeSue, I'd be like, hmm, this is a weird move, coach. What, are, what point are you trying to make? Some guys it works for, some guys it doesn't. So you, that's why I always say you have to coach everybody different. Not everybody's the same. The best coaches understand that. Some coaches know I can yell at this guy, cuss his out, talk, cuss him out, talk about his mama. And this guy, I'm going to have to bring over to the house, feed him dinner, you know, have him play with the dog. That's just, that's just what it is. So CC figured it out my senior year. And I, I was never benched after that. Once he realized like, oh, Zay doesn't care. Zay, Zay's going to go to the bench and I'm, I'm just going to chill. I'm like, I'm, I'll play better next time, but you taking me out. All right, we're going to get worse. <laughs> Once you start getting worse, coaches, they say, oh, okay. Oh, this doesn't work for Zay like it works for somebody else. So, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the one for that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's funny. When are we going to have CeCe on the show? I don't know. Good question. I, I can get him next week. We can get him next week. He ain't right. doing nothing. But we get no, DB, I never went Spreewell on CC. I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> I, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably still be a coma or something like that. No, 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 no. I knew my limitations. Going at CC, no, no, no. Especially back then. No, no, absolutely not. Mm-mm. You know. What about what about why do I always screw this up? The coach you had at uh, Schubert. Schubert. Tom Paris. Yeah, Paris Junior College. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know where he's at now. I, the last place he was at was like Jacksonville State or something. I don't know. Was he, he a fear? Was he a fear guy? Yeah. Uh-huh. He was like Italian, had like a mob-like vibe to him. And then like you knew what he did at UT Pan American, now UT Rio Grande Valley, just the Not whole. All. Yeah, yeah. He had that like, yo, I when he told the player that just in front of everybody, it was like one of those, you know, interventions as a team. And everybody's like, hey, all right, our assistant coach, he's the one that got everybody together. And he was uh, Logan Lee went to AM. That's how I, you know, I liked him, but he was an Aggie. So I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't as close with him as I could have been just because the whole Aggie thing kind of put me off a little bit. But he, he meant well. He was a good guy. He got us all together to have us discuss what we would want better or what we would recommend that could help the team, including the coaches. And one of the players stood up and said, well, coach, you know, I feel like I've been working my ass off in practice, this and that. You know, I feel like I deserve at least shot at some playing time. You know what Tom Schubert said to this guy, Chip? You're not fucking good enough. He just lost it. He just lost it right there. You're not fucking good enough. Just said it just goes ballistic. And I'm just sitting on the side like, oh, my Lord, is this what college basketball is all about? And this is Juco. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is – and it took everything for the player. I'm not going to name his name, but everything for my teammate not to charge him. Like, somebody had to, like, yo, step in front because he got up, like, ready to fight 
Like he was from Brooklyn, New York. He was ready to squabble and coach. That was it. No practice for the day. We came back yesterday. Coach kind of apologized, but it was more just like, you know, making an excuse of how passionate he is, how stressful he is and all this stuff. Oh, it was wild. <laughs> it was some wild stuff. Well, speaking of coaches, breaking news, breaking news. Pete Carroll, done as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons. Carroll expected to remain with the franchise in an advisory role, according to Adam Schefter. And Pete Carroll, 72 years old. And this, uh, this is this is interesting. This was one of the jobs that we weren't quite sure if Pete Carroll had reached the end. The the Seahawks did not have the season they wanted, obviously. And you're, you know, Carroll's had it going so good for so long. Maybe he's exhausted. Maybe he doesn't like where the team is from a from a quarterback situation standpoint, but you know, Seahawks go nine and eight and end up finishing behind the LA Rams, who are going to be taking on my Detroit Lions in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, we're we're already getting questions like, should Sark bring in Pete Carroll? <laughs> I would say Pete Carroll, if he's expected to remain with Seattle in an advisory role. Um, that he's going to be preoccupied, but yeah, um, you, you fly Pete out for like two weeks and have him stay at the crib, have him watch practice, ask him for his input on everything, and that's really it. You you do that as much as you can. You know, tell Pete, hey Pete, take a vacation to Austin, stay at the crib. We got a room for you. You know. Hang out. You bring your wife. I'll take you around town, show you some of the finest cuisine that you could possibly get. And yeah, like Pete's a young 72. Right. I'm a, I'm a little shocked at this because it's not when you hear 72, you'd be like, damn, that's old for coaching. But then you see Pete Carroll and you see him running and he's a little just wacky with you know, certain things. You'll see him, you know, being on scout team, messing around, throwing the football with the guys. And it's like, yo, this dude, you could tell why everybody loves him so much. Like he's, this guy, he, he really means well. And yeah. Well, and Joe, Joe K, don't forget, Pete Carroll's a defensive guy. Um, Pete's probably, if he's saying that, you know, Pete's probably one of the few guys Sark would be comfortable with as OC. Um, Pete Carroll's a defensive guy. He was he was the one, you know, always putting the defense together. That's why he trusted Sark and Lane Kiffin so much uh, as the offensive coordinators, Norm Chow before those two. And because um, Pete always had the defensive side of the ball. But, um, yeah, that's a – I mean, Pete Carroll, he he's one of the few guys who's won a national championship and a Super Bowl. He and Jimmy Johnson um, and Pete Carroll, 
the ultimate players coach. We always talk about how Steve Sarkeesian has two mentors that he refers to a lot. He talks about Pete Carroll and he talks about Nick Saban. And I always joke with people that Sark has become more Nick Saban than he has become Pete Carroll in part because he was right there and won a national championship most recently with Nick Saban and, and things are different. I mean, USC had open practices when Pete Carroll was there. Anyone could come. And it was a way to draw attention to USC in a entertainment crazy city like LA. You had to do whatever you had to do to draw interest and stay relevant and be on the news. And, and, you know, when you look at Nick Saban, he came into Alabama, said, Hey man, tell the boosters they're not coming to practice anymore, but tell them they're, they're going to like what they see on Saturday. And that's how it went. Nick doesn't let his assistants talk. Pete let his assistants talk all the time. Um, very different mentors for, uh, you know, uh, and here we go. So there is more smoke to the Bo Davis, LSU Bo Davis. I thought that was over with. Nope. LSU is expected to hire Texas's Bo Davis as oh. defensive line coach. Um, sources have told um, Bengal Tiger on three. So, hell oh boy. Don't like that. Um, Don't like that. I mean, you knew it was coming eventually. Once you have the success, we talk about this all the time. Once you start having success, coaches are going to start leaving, uh, take, in their opinion, bigger roles. I mean, it already started with Jeff Choate going to Nevada. You know, go from the linebacker coach to head coach at Nevada. That's a huge jump, you know, and Steve Sarkeesian, he's admitted, hey, I want to hire guys. I want to be head coaches one day, you know, like that. So we can't be surprised when coaches want to go off and get a bigger role. And, you know, it just hurts because we know what Bo Davis has brought to the program in the three years that he's been here and the development that you see with guys that we've talked about already on the show today and Byron Murphy and Trevondre Sweat and with Alfred Collins coming back, like he needs a Bo Davis, you know what I'm saying? Which it might be a big reason why he came back in the first place. I don't know. I'm sure they've had those conversations and hopefully Bo's been real with all those guys. But yeah, man, that's, I mean, it's only final till it's final, but yeah, Bo Davis, if he were to leave, especially to go to a team that you're going to end up playing in the next two years, that's definitely hurts. <laughs> definitely hurts. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, to lock this down. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is substantial uh, to say the least. And um looks like this is coming from the LSU site on uh the on 3 network um yeah when you talk about Bo Davis uh it's um 
you know, he's a guy who gets stuff out of guys that they didn't even know they had. Um, he's just so damn tough, you know? Yeah. Like he would have gotten 13 and seven out of you every night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would have. Absolutely. I mean, obviously his famous rant after the Iowa State game, that will always be in Texas fans' minds when they think of Bo Davis. And you saw the toughness there. You saw the passion. You know what I'm saying? Like just he came just <laughs> mediocre. Being mediocre is not acceptable. And after that game where he felt a lot of guys quit, where Texas was leading against a scrappy Iowa State team, with Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, like your first year on the 40 acres, you're talking to guys that you really just met, haven't even been a year there. And you're letting them know like, yo, if you're going to play for me, that shit, that can't be a thing. And you saw just the development and how players got better. And you're right. him just being a straight up hard ass on guys. Like you love that. If you're a player, you love that, man. Like, you want guys to be hard on you. You want to be coached. And Bo Davis, he's done a hell of a job. So knowing that it's your alma mater, that's tough, man. When you graduate from the place and you put on that purple and gold, that being in Baton Rouge and seeing those familiar places that you did when you were basically a kid and now you have the chance to coach there again and just have a bigger role, that's hard to run away from. So I'm not going to really knock Bo Davis for leaving. If it wasn't his alma mater, then I'd be a little skeptical. But, again, the dude played for LSU. It makes a lot of sense. So, again, if he's off somewhere else, so be it. Well, this is where you, you know, you call on all your – your. Uh, your contacts, all the contacts you've made along the way. This is where you call Dan Quinn and say, yo, Dan, who do I need to hire as my defensive line coach? Um, we'll get more information on this and we will uh, continue that conversation. But uh, on three LSU's on three site reporting that Bo Davis <clears throat> will be hired by LSU. We will. Uh, I'm I've got text in the sources right now, so we'll we'll let you know what uh, is going on there. Let's let's bring in our man. I mean, two time Mr. Universe. Father to three five star wide receiver sons, including Amon Ross St. Brown of the NFC North Division champion Detroit. Uh, uh, Lions. Sounds good. It sounds good. John Brown, Kane, protein, baby. I love how they got that banner up quick at Ford Field. <laughs> they weren't playing around, huh? It, it, it's NFC North Champions 2023. That banner's already flying high. Yes. They, hey, let's see what happens. It's going to be a good game, man. It can go either way. Uh, yeah, you've, been, you've probably been watching the Rams. I mean, you're out there in – lovely los angeles where every day it's 87 degrees and or 77 yeah. degrees but it's, these rams are hot jb hot they're hot but the lines are hot too 
So it's going to be a really good game, hard, hard fought. It's not going to be easy. Um, I tell you, we, we, we do better when we play teams that don't have a real mobile quarterback. Like Lamar Jackson gives us problems. But uh, I, I, it should be interesting. I, I, you know, I'm hoping we win. Uh, I don't like to make predictions. You know, I don't want to jinx anything. Right. But I think we have a good chance. We've got a good chance. Right. Yeah. Well, Amin, you know, I couldn't believe he didn't make the oh, I mean, Yeah, that's crazy. He, he should have got in over Puka Nakua. Sorry. I mean, he's top five in all categories. He can't get in? I mean, come on. Is and, that – I mean, I don't know all the criteria, but I know a portion of it is you you have to vote as fans. Yep. And the fan base of Detroit has to get behind their players. And if you think that a particular player should be in a Pro Bowl, well, vote him in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, John, 119 catches, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. I don't know what else he needs to do. But I saw him and Equimenius on their podcast, and Amon Ross talking about, like, yo, that pisses me off. I'm going to show these guys they made a mistake. And he doesn't even want to go to the Pro Bowl anyway because when you go to the Super Bowl, you miss the Pro Bowl. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So I just, I just hope um, they lean on him, you know, during this game. Because they're going to really need Sam LaPorter, unfortunately, got injured. You know, uh, we don't know. It's day-to-day whether he's going to be able to play. Uh, looks like he probably won't. But if we can win the first game, I think he'll be able to play on the second game, you know? Yeah. But we yeah. got to win the first one, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got him in uh, – I mean, the Lions are in prime time. Prime time, baby. They had a lot of prime time games. Yeah. You know? They had a lot of yeah. this year. Yeah, this is. Oh. I mean, What's your, what do you think? What's your prediction? Talk to me. I mean, I, I think the Lions are going to win. I think okay, the Lions man. are going to win. I think the I think they get the best effort possible from. They have a chance to win. They have a big chance to win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really on the Lions' defense. I think there it is. There it is. Right. If yeah. the, if the, Getting the, back, uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson is huge. Because he's one of the top guys in the league in the secondary, and he went out for y'all very early in week two. And now that he's back going up against Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, I think that's going to be a huge addition to. Yeah, that's huge. So, just, just again, it comes down to the defense, right? How well can our defense play? That's what it comes down to. So, uh, I think our offense, we have, we have good receivers, good deep, uh, good uh, running backs. We got those two that two-headed monster, which is really difficult to contain. So I think we got a good chance to win that game. And it's at home. Everybody's gonna be fired up. Man, Detroit gonna go crazy if they win that game. The city's gonna lose their minds. And then that would if if the Cowboys and Lions both win, they would play again, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Right, I thought right. we did, I thought we did real well against the Cowboys. To be honest with you, I, you know, I, I think the Lions won that game. Yeah, but yeah, I think they won that game too. Yeah, everywhere but the scoreboard, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, I think they won that game also. Everything, everybody, even in Dallas, if they're honest, they go, yeah, they they won, they beat us, you know. 
Yeah. John, what do you think of Amin Ross hair for the playoffs? That was interesting. I got a call. My wife is there now. And someone told I don't know if it was her or someone else. He dyed his hair blue. I go, what? Okay. A little swag, a little swagginess to him, you know. Okay. I I, I, I like it, you know. Yeah. He's uh, trying to get all the galvanize the, the, the troops and get everybody behind this thing, you know. Uh, I know one thing about Amon Ra. Big games, he he plays big time. He he yeah. loves big games. He lives for that. He feeds off that. Yeah. Some yeah. guys shrink in the moment. He ain't shrinking in that moment. Yeah, and that's I mean, talk about that, JB, because, um, I mean, we I saw it. I've seen it every every day of his Lions career. But give us an example from you know, that maybe we don't know about maybe the first time you saw him say, give it to me. Let's go. I'll carry the load. Very good question. I mean, I saw that when he was like six, seven years old, he was that, that way. If, even like in JB basketball, let's say they're losing and he has the ball or he, he they pass him the ball. He ain't passing that ball to no one else. He's dribbling that ball, trying to make something happen. He's shooting that ball. When he plays soccer, same thing. I've seen him stop guys, make goals. When they need to make goals, they pass the ball to Amon, and somehow he just wheels it in. I've seen him do it in Pop Warner. Oh, man. I've I, I seen him do a lot of stuff. He was like eight years old once, and we're in the game, and we're losing. And he was also, you know, both ways. We lose you. JB, are you muted? It don't say he's muted. No. He's going in too. JB, JB. Uh-oh. JB. He can't, can't hear, hear us, can he? Can't hear you. <laughs> Uh-oh. What happened? Because he'd, he'd, he'd stop. If he could hear us, he'd stop. Yeah. Oh, no. JB. <laughs> oh, that's tough. JB, yeah. can you hear us? Can you hear us? He can't hear us. He can't hear us. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's remove him. He might have muted his phone. The whole phone? Did you uh we gonna have to, we gonna have to get rid of him and have him come back. We gonna have yeah okay. Okay. we gonna have to we gonna have to get rid of him and have him come back. All right, because he was spitting. I could tell he was spitting. But. Okay, LSU football now announcing Bo Davis is returning to LSU. Shit. Okay. Ah, that stings. That stings. That stings, man. Yeah. That is uh that is to, that to, to be what though? To just to be the D line coach? Yeah. Okay. Wow. This is this is uh this is a blow. There is no doubt about it. 
And okay, here's JB. JB. Yeah, sorry, but uh, I don't know what part of that story you heard. You were just getting into it. You were just so. So, so what yeah. happened was we're we're losing. I said, Amon, he's on defense. It must have been like eight years old. I go, look, you need to stand between the guard. I mean, the the, the guard and the uh, center, and just get real skinny. And when the ball's hiked really quick, go between the two because these guys won't be ready and take the ball out of the quarterback's hand and just run in and touchdown. Because they're little kids. They won't be ready for it. He does it to perfection. And everyone's like, what was that? What just happened? Even the referee's like, what was that? Was that a fumble? He just took it. And he's, he's always been like that. Always. Big games. Big game hunter. He's a big game hunter. Big game hunter, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, big man, we are so excited about this one, JB. I mean, gotta, I'm just like, oh, are man, you going? Got, yes, sir. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm just okay. praying to God to win this game, man, because the Lions fans, man, 30 years, 60 years. I met a lot of guys on all those sad stories. I'm like, man, they just deserve to get something here, you know? Yeah. Just hope that the referees call it right and, 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 and don't play games. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Because some of these games have been like a little suspect. Some of the calls, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. They gotta get uh they gotta get that respect factor. It's like Jordan got all the calls and then it took a while for <laughs> other guys to get the calls, you know. <laughs> you already got all the calls, right? We need the Lions to have some to get the calls. They've earned so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan got all the calls. We just need to get some calls. Just give us some love a little bit somewhere. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just, just, just help us out here just a little bit. We don't need much. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. concerned about the, the – the, the, but only thing in our favor is they got to fly from L.A. And most teams – is that game on Saturday or Sunday? I think it's on Sunday. So then they'll, they'll fly out on Saturday probably. They'll fly out on Saturday. Yeah. I wouldn't want to deal with that cold either. They're probably glad it's in the dome. Right. Yeah, Detroit, L.A., 7 o'clock Central Time, Sunday night. Uh-oh. Yeah, it might be it for JB today. All right. Um, Let's see. Appreciate you, JB. Thanks, JB. We will, uh, well, this is, um, you know, obviously the, the news of the day. Um, oh, we got to have a proper goodbye, JB. You know what I'm saying? I got, look, I'm on my cell phone and solicitors are calling me and I don't know how to really operate all these, these buttons and stuff that's going on. Isn't that the worst? That's the worst. But I tell you something. The Rams are going to fly out probably the day before the, the, the game. And that jet lag is going to jump on their backs. Because every team does that. And I'm like, wow, why did they do that? I would fly out like three days before to let my teams get adjusted. So when they fly out the day before, man, that's real tough. That's real tough. So we got a little bit of edge just based on that. They're going to be a little sluggish. Off The ball going to be off a little bit. 
All right, I'll take any edge we can get, JB. I'm just so, saying. Well, hopefully when we talk to you next <laughs> week, we're talking about the next round, baby. Next round. Next Every round, let's go. Hey, if there's anybody out there that, like I said, the kids need to gain some weight, go to Cane Protein, C-A-N-E.com, and, and order your protein and, you know, put them on a good training regimen so the kids can, can gain some weight. I see a lot of guys playing football. They're real super thin. I'm like, man, if they were a little thicker, they, they could be a little more durable. A little thicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. CaneProtein.com and, of course, Cane Protein on social media. Um, you can find John on YouTube, uh, Black Coffee on YouTube. The guy is <laughs> the best. And we appreciate you spending some time with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Prepare for Lions Rams. All right. Yeah. Let's do, I'll let's talk to you next, next week. week let's see what happens next week. Lions All Rams, right. baby. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, JB. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, the, the Bo Davis news obviously is, is tough. Um, he, uh, there, you know, there, he had a big buyout too. say there's more to this story that I think we're going to find out here. Um, very soon. I've got text messages in, but, um, it's uh you know there's no doubt it's a blow now the interesting thing is we're gonna we're supposed to talk to jason shear of the arizona 247 site at 215. um johnny nansen has coached the defensive line before um we will see i mean pete kwakowski's also a former defensive line coach so who do they who do they decide to to bring in? Um, but yeah, this you know, I know Texas um, was trying to to hang on to Bo Davis, but I do think there are extenuating circumstances here that I'm trying to confirm. Um, but yeah, this is a blow. There's no no doubt about it, and. Um, Steve Sarkeesian has got his his phone out. Yeah, He's making, some, making some calls. Can we play the rant on bootleg? Yeah, is we have appropriate? to. We have to, right? This is Texas sports unfiltered. We we gotta play the rant. I mean, this we, is the moment. This, this is the, this Bo is the Davis moment. moment. Okay. After the Iowa State game two years ago, 2021, Bo Davis on the bus.
Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. That's that's just beautiful work right there. All right, you could hear him about to cry, but you could hear the passion. That's what's leaving Texas. Like that's just wow. That's so impressive. I mean, yeah, his son's there. That's right. Like he's coaching his son. Not too many people could say that. You know, I joke about playing for CC all the time. Some of the greatest moments of my life, Chip. That if I could go back, I would do it in the heartbeat. Because you remember those. That bond that me and my pops have, it's different, man. It's different. And I cannot knock Bo Davis for wanting to see that and have that a part of his life with his son and also go back to his alma mater. Like, I no bad blood at all. Like, this is just... Yeah, this this one hurts. <laughs> it hurts for sure. And when you bring in, you know, a new coach and Johnny Nansen, and I don't know if Bo Davis was like, man, now this guy gets a co-defensive coordinator spot. I'm just speculating here, but I don't know. Maybe Bo Davis was like, I I need another. I need some more responsibility. I feel like I could do more. I, I don't know. There's a lot to it, but. Yeah, if they're buying the mountain stuff, that's yeah, we know his worth. That's for damn sure. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's uh it is a complicated deal. And I had mentioned here previously that uh you know the uh the fact that Bo has a son who um, is, you know, um, a football player who's, you know, going to be uh, – it's just really important to Bo that he he coaches his son. Um, and – I mean, you can speak to that. You can speak to that, Zay, because you played for your dad. It's special, man. It's, it's very unique. It's a very unique feeling. And, yeah, that's something that you cherish for the rest of your life. And I don't know why. If I'm sorry. Bring the kid here. Hell, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, is his son the preferred walk-on, or is he actually a scholarship player that's, you know, gonna get playing time he's yeah he's um he has not been a factor at southeastern louisiana i mean he's 6'1 270 he's he started his time at east mississippi community college um and you know he's not been a factor but i think it's just super important for uh for Bo to to coach him um and it that's that's how it, it was explained to me that this is the most important thing in LSU um was going to do whatever it took to get his son in and on the football team. And 
I think it's easier for LSU to do that than it is for Texas. Um, Why is the boy not that bright? What do you mean? What's that mean? Well, I don't. Bo's daughter is at Texas, but uh, I don't. I don't think he. I don't. And and I think Texas is was going to try to get him in, um, but they couldn't do it until May. And um, so we got to get the kid in. Like, are we serious? How long well, was Charles Wright on the team? Take his scholarship. He gone. Shout out to Charles Wright, lifetime Longhorn, got your degree and stuff. Austin High kid. Like, I, I don't, I'm very confused. I feel like Bo probably brought this up with Sark and the people he needs to bring it up with a lot earlier than this. Like, hey guys, is this a possibility? It probably keep me around here a little longer. You know, again, you can't beat the fact that he played for LSU, but still, like, if it's the Sun thing, the Sun can play football at a lot of places. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Because, again, we're talking about Alfred Collins having that year, that breakout season that Javondre Sweat had. Vernon Broughton, same thing. The rest of the guys that are a part of this defensive line. Like, I'm not saying the next guy's not going to be good, but, man, there's not too many Bo Davises just hanging around the country that you just scoop up with that passion and that type of philosophy and that type of IQ for big fellas that play in a defensive line position. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's uh, what's well, a tough one? Um, that's a tough one. That is, uh, it, it was interesting because, um, he's you know, he's got a like I said, he's got a big buyout, um. It's it's more than a million dollars, and LSU just spent two and a half million on a defensive coordinator. I mean, they're going all in here. And there was a weird situation. You remember Dominic McKinley? Yeah. So Dominic McKinley's committed to LSU, and he wanted to go to Texas, and. I had a source tell me that um, Bo Davis told Sark to pass on him. So, you know, it's uh, why uh, I'm gonna have to go Owen Wilson on you. Why? Why? Yeah. Why would he do that? I mean, the speculation was that Bo knew he was going to LSU. So, oh. Man, you would coach him there now. Oh my gosh! I'm, wow, <laughs> my chest. Oh, that is some demonic stuff right there. I, I hope that's not true. I hope yeah. that's not true because, damn, that one that one stings if that's any type of valid. I, I really hope not, but 
I mean, it is a little fishy, you know. Wow. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. That's you a just tough never one. know. You just never know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know who Bo Davis has been talking to during the regular season. You don't know how Bo Davis feels about his position, you know, with the Longhorns. You might love his guys and stuff, but, again, you bring in Johnny Nansen. Is Bo Davis cool with that? You know, Jeff Choate leaves. Was Jeff Choate one of his guys? Like, you just never know. Or was Bo Davis just saying, hey, it's my son. This is a new opportunity for me. I love LSU. Got a diploma from there. That means something. So I'm trying to just think positive things with this situation, but we saw this coming. Maybe not necessarily Bo Davis, but just coaches leaving in general to see if the grass is greener on the other side due to the success that Texas had this season. Yeah, we saw that coming, 100%. Started with Jet Cho, now Bo Davis. So, you know, one thing that makes Nick Saban great, he always just hires A's right after they leave and move on. You know what I'm saying? So Sark, hopefully, when we talk about him looking at Nick Saban as a mentor, can use that piece of what Nick Saban has taught him and showed them. So you could scout out different talent that believe in the same values you have and have the same philosophy and know what winning is about and hopefully can bring that to the University of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, it's um... – it's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. And I'm, that's probably a better question for, for Hank on the Dominic McKinley situation, but there was all kinds of heat around Dominic McKinley to Texas. And then all of a sudden there wasn't. And um, yeah, I was, I was told that, Bo Davis told Sark, I don't like his motor. And so now he's he's committed to LSU. And it's uh it's a but I was told point blank the most important thing to Bo is coaching his son. He doesn't care where. Wow. Like, so whether you know, like you said you get a chance to, to coach your son. Um, if it means that much, then, Hey, I just hope the part about Dominic McKinley isn't true. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, people are asking about Franco cam. Yeah. I mean, look, Sark and Pete Kwiatkowski are going to make this decision as to what fits their, their room, their culture, their comfortability. I got to say, though, I did like Bo Davis. Bo Davis stood up for himself and helped to change the way the line played, like literally, like allowing Byron Murphy to, to plant into gaps and, you know, not have the whole defensive line do it, just Byron Murphy. And, you know, because that fit his – he had the he had the talent in the the get off to do it, and I remember when Sark came into Big Twelve Media Days two years ago. He said, 
We got a new. <laughs> Yo, Coach 420, are you on that 420 right now? I feel you. I'd love some Mike hey. Rabel, but woo, shoot for the moon. Man. Shoot for the moon. Yeah, shoot for the moon, baby. Shoot from half court like Steph Curry. That would be incredible. But I'm sorry. Shoot for the moon. That just, I had to throw that up there. Yeah. Mike well, Rabel. <laughs> yeah. And then here's, you know, Ronald Cardenas is like, hey, what about Michigan's defensive line if if Jim Harbaugh is going to yeah. take off, are they going to be able to yeah. hold that staff yeah. together? And that's, and that's where Sark needs to, he needs to do a deep dive and make sure that he's bringing in the best possible guy. Like I said, call Dan Quinn, call the guys who know who the best young, you know, defensive line coaches are and, and go get them because Texas can afford to pay. Texas can Yo. afford to pay. Yo, Pete, heard you just got fired from Seattle. I heard you stand up there. Hey, we need a new D-line coach, man. Can you you know what I'm saying? You, 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 can only, you, you don't even have to come to practice all the time. Just at least 90%. Show up to a couple of meetings. But we understand that you're 72. Come on, man. Have some fun again. That pressure, don't, you know, come on. Be the D-line coach. All right. See you later, Pete. That's the voicemail I need to start to make. We're calling everybody. Or ask Pete, Pete, who do you know? Because now Pete got a lot more time. You know what I'm saying? Beforehand, Pete might not have had the time to help you out. Like you said, Dan Quinn. Sark knows people. Yeah, this is going to be fun. You see how you flipping it for uh, these Texas fans and people like me out here, Chip? Now you got me excited. You know, Bo Davis, love you, appreciate you. You're a wonderful father. But now people throwing out Mike Vrabel, people talking about the Michigan defensive line coach, my homie Pete Carroll just got fired. Hell yeah, man. This gonna, We going to flip this into something positive, man. We're going to flip this. We're going to flip this. This Texas, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Who would not want to coach in Austin, Texas? Hell yeah. 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 Yeah, if you're just tuning in, Bo Davis has been announced as the new defensive line coach at LSU, according wow. to LSU football. And I've got uh, – I've got um, – You know, text out, but I, uh, I know, I know the part about the, about his son and, and that is, um, that's substantial. Yeah, this is, this LSU just put this out. Damn. Yep. He looked like Suge Knight in purple and gold. And that's Marcus Spears doing a victory dance right there. Yo, somebody, <laughs> somebody on the Coda text line hit us up there. 512-222-9328 said Ed Orgeron. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know about Ed. Ed be wilding a little too much for me. I, I mean, actually, I don't know. You know, Ed. We got some coaches with some beautiful women on their arms. Ed likes to bring beautiful women to the party. So maybe, maybe, Ed, I don't know. Just that voice, man. I don't know if I'd be able to get past it. I know Sark don't let his assistants talk anyway, but still, maybe Ed Orgeron. I don't know. Not too shots. No, Mike Vrabel, but Edo, he's a championship coach. He's just a little quirky. Would you do Ed Orgeron, Chip? 
Would you bring would him I on? Well, not, all right, not like that. Let's not get crazy. Pause there. Would you bring him on? <laughs> would you offer him the job? And if he were to accept it, would you let him coach the defensive line? Yeah. Okay. As long as his heart's in it. You know, that, that's, that's the thing with me. Ed B. Wallen, like, Ed's, he's kind of out there. But, yeah, if his heart's in it. If his heart's maybe. in it. See, now, now Paxton, this is where we can't. Uh, nah, nah. He's had his time here. It was cool. Well, must chance to Georgia with his own son. Yeah. He's a, he's helping Kirby out. And, um. And so, Will Muschamp is what happens when you get to be a 50 year old man. Suddenly, your kid is in college and you want to coach him. Yeah. Um, am I shocked? I'm not shocked, but it sounded like Texas was trying to do everything they could, you know, give him a raise, um, try and get his son into school. But he was going to have to get in as a grad transfer from, from what I heard, he was going to have to kind of load up on classes to graduate in May. I mean, LSU's like, he can come in right now. So I don't know. It's, it's the way of the world. Yeah. When we were going through Baton Rouge to get to new Orleans last week and we stopped at the first Kings ever, I was looking around and I wasn't very impressed. Wasn't very impressed. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. You you could tell they do things different there. So, well, let's uh, let's see what the let's check. Well, look who's here. Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority. Jason, when I asked you to come on and talk about Johnny Nansen, the new co-defensive coordinator linebackers coach at Texas, I didn't realize Bo Davis was going to be leaving as defensive line coach to LSU to coach his son. Um, so Johnny Nansen, I know he's coached defensive line at at various points in his career, but uh, what is Texas getting in Johnny Nansen? And welcome. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. You guys too. got to love college football coaching carousels, huh? Yeah. I mean, you never know. <laughs> uh, Nansen, I, I like Nansen. You know, the, the biggest thing was when he came to Arizona, the defense was one of the worst in the country. And the biggest thing, you know, he, he was bad the first season that he was there. I shouldn't say he was bad. The defense was awful. And they basically made the decision to bring in personnel and said, look, we're only going to be as good as our personnel um, to the point where uh, I'll remember when Arizona's defense was looking better early in the season, I, I went up to Johnny before practice and I joke, I said, oh yeah, so I guess you're a good coordinator now. And he goes, no, he goes all about the talent. He's like, it's, it, it's just, they, they brought in personnel and he did a, a really, really good job with them this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jason, you know, Johnny Nansen, he's been around the block at Washington, USC, and obviously he just keeps on moving up. Uh, you talk about just his personality a little bit, just you interviewing him, talking to him. Is he a player's coach? Like, you know, what kind of cloth is he cut from? Yeah, players, players like him. He's not, uh, you know, there's some personalities on the Arizona staff. Brandon Carroll, the offensive coordinator, is a is a big personality. Johnny's not that type of guy. He'll, he'll joke around, but he's very businesslike in, in his approach. And even in press conferences, he doesn't like to give, you know, majorly detailed answers. It's just kind of straight to the point. And, you know, it, if it was up to him, there probably wouldn't be any press conferences because he'd rather just, just concentrate on, on the football side of things. But, you know, getting to know him a little bit over the past year, he's, he's a really good guy. He's very personable when you go up to him. Um, but he's not going to be like this outgoing personality that's all over Twitter and all that. It's just, it's not really his style. Yeah, it's interesting. Johnny Nansen was with Pete Kwiatkowski at Montana State uh, back in 2000 is where they they crossed paths. And, and so it's not just a reunion for Nansen with Sark, who, of course, he was with Sark for all the years at Washington and at USC. In fact, Johnny Nansen was retained at USC when Sark was fired. Um, so there's, there's a familiarity in this situation, um, Jason. And, you know, what, when you look at that, does that make sense? Because obviously he was calling the shots at Arizona, right? Yeah, I mean, he had full autonomy over the entire defense. And I think part of, I mean, Arizona fans for sure, but part of the, like, Jed Fish probably didn't think that Johnny would go to Texas because Jed barely got involved in the defense. I mean, it, this was Johnny's defense. And so it's a little bit of a, a surprise to them, I think. But he is, you know, Johnny's best friends with Sark. That relationship goes back years. They're they're very, very close. And I, I think, you know, no one will mention it, but I, I think part of it is, we know that Sark's probably going to be at Texas for a while. And Jed Fish is going to be the hot name until he leaves Arizona. And, and I think a part of it is, you know, maybe Johnny said, look, if if Jed's only here one more year, I'm looking for a job as opposed to going to Texas where I know I can be and have, you know, a little more stability. It, it wouldn't surprise me if that played a role. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it just came down to his relationship with Sark and how close they are. Yeah. Jason, talk about Nansen being the poly whisperer, because that's what I've heard around just his communication with these Polynesian kids that they recruit and stuff, which Texas already has one in Leongo LaFau. But yeah, I always just love those type of guys watching USC, Oregon, all those West Coast teams over the years. Talk about that a little bit. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm really not. Texas is about to offer a ton of Polynesian players. Like, Nansen will pretty I don't want to say he'll only offer Polynesian players but it it feels that way at times I mean he just has a connection in the community and when they brought him on board Arizona also brought Jason Jafusi on board and they basically said look you two are going to help us bring the poly connection back to Arizona because years ago it was a very big deal and they did I mean there's a a ton of Polynesians on the team right now uh and, and you know Jed Fish credited that with changing the culture of the program like the team is really really close they stick together um and that's something that that nansen is going to come in and and really emphasize and you know i would be shocked if, if texas didn't land 
uh, numerous Polynesian players that are pretty pretty highly rated in next year's class. Well, um, Jacob Manu, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but he, <laughs> he you know, sophomore led the Pac-12 in tackles, tackles per game, sophomore linebacker. Um, was this a guy that Johnny helped bring in? Yeah, so the way it worked was Noah Fafita and uh, T-Mac and Jacob Manu were all on the same high school team. So basically they went to go recruit Noah and T-Mac and Jatorma McMillan, and they basically said, look at our, our best friend, this linebacker also. And so Jed Fish wound up bringing them all in. Um, I, I think Nansen played more of a part in the development, and he has a philosophy – and it might be an Arizona philosophy that may not carry over to Texas. I don't know. But basically, Arizona last year or two years ago said, we're going to play young players. And they're going to learn and there's going to be struggles, but they're going to be ready. And so Jacob Manu was on scout team the first three games of the year. And finally, they started him against North Dakota State. And from there on, he started every single game. And that's that's just what, you know, Arizona's defense is young. And part of it was Johnny said, look, we're, they're going to learn the hard way because we know the following year they're going to be better for it. And, and they were. Jason, how was this year knowing that the Pac-12 is just completely done? And then what's the vibe going into the Big 12 for Arizona? Yeah, it was weird because like it, it and I think it really hit when like Arizona played USC and UCLA and the L.A. schools. Because it's like, okay, we're, you know, you're probably never going to play him again. Or if you do, it's not going to be for a while. And that's something that it kind of got like a weird feeling. But, you know, the Big 12 is met with excitement. You know, Arizona, at the end of the day, is a basketball town. And so football gets a lot of attention here. But uh, basketball, Big 12, I mean, that's just a whole different animal. And so I think Arizona fans are pumped. And with football, you look at it. And, and the reality is, if, if you wanted to win the Pac-12, you had to go through Washington in Oregon and USC sometimes. And the Big 12, I, I don't want to say it's easier, but now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, it's it's easier. So uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Arizona fans are excited about that opportunity. My man, Nick Foles, Rob Gronkowski, they don't have – they they got any, uh, any signage up of those guys? Oh, yeah. They, anytime Jed Fish can mention any alumni that has ever done well, he does it. Like, that's his thing. He'll mention NFL and, and former Arizona Wildcats that do well. So uh, they're, they're going to get that out as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Foles, Austin, uh, Austin Westlake, baby. Um, <laughs> I think he left as the Pac-12's, like, career completion percentage leader. Yeah, and one of the best dudes that I've I've ever covered. I mean, just such a good guy. It's it's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Jason. Yeah. Um, so Jed Fish, I mean, this guy is the rocket ship right now. Uh, what does Arizona have coming back? Uh, they returned 17 of 22 starters. So, you know, they they lose some good ones. They lose Jordan Morgan on the offensive line. He's gonna be a, a first round pick. Uh, and, and they lose some talented guys, but you know they they brought in a, a class that filled needs. They're gonna fill the look at the transfer portal to fill some needs. They're they're gonna be good. I mean, they return most of their good players, the quarterbacks, the wide you know T Mac returns that wide receiver. They return pretty much the whole defense. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be one of the better teams in the country next year. I didn't look this up, Jason, but 
was was Johnny Nansen a big blitz guy or or not so much? Not so much. It, you know, the one thing I, I will say about Johnny is he had multiple plans. So there were games where they would come out and blitz, and there were games where they would drop back and rush three and play the do- dollar package and basically have six DBs on the field and try to confuse. And, and that's what they did against Oklahoma. They, they said, look, Jackson Arnold is making his first career start. We're going to try to confuse them. And they forced six turnovers. There were times at the end of the game where they were rushing three and he was holding on to the ball for so long because no one, no one was open. So there's multiple game plans, and that's something that I, I respected him a lot for is, you know, Arizona had Don Brown before Johnny Nansen. He's the head coach at UMass now. Don Brown pretty much ran the same defensive fronts and formations. Every single game, you knew what you were going to get. Uh, with Johnny, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Talk about uh, Washington this year. Obviously, getting to the national championship game and coming up short to Michigan. Did you expect that when you saw Arizona, who played Washington pretty well this season? I mean, a lot of teams did. Washington had a lot of wins that were, you know, under 10 points. But we saw Washington live with the Sugar Bowl, and you saw Washington live. Did you expect them to be that good this year? And were they that good in your eyes when you saw them live? Yeah, I didn't expect her to make the title game. I mean, I, I thought they were pretty good when I saw them. You know, Arizona, that was one of those Johnny games where they basically said, look, Washington's deep offense, they're going to get a bunch of yards, but we're going to try not to let them score. And it worked for most of the game. Uh, that was the, I think that was the first start for Noah Fafita. So, you know, if that game's played later in the season, it maybe it's a it's a different result. Uh, but, you know, that, that offense was always really good. I, I, I thought the one thing, that was going to cost them was their rush defense. It, it wasn't good at any point in the season, and it really showed up in the title game. That was probably their biggest weak, weakness, and, and Michigan just kept attacking that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a fascinating story about Fafita, and then Fafita saying, hey, check out my man, uh, Jacob Manu. Yeah, and, and what's funny is that – so that team had Manu, Fafita, McMillan, and then Mason Graham, uh, the kid from Michigan. So that, oh, wow. high, school team, that high school team was was pretty damn good. Wow. Wow. Where – what high school was it? Servite in, uh, in Anaheim. And they're not as good now, so their coach left. And so they they basically – oh, and Kean Burnett, too, who's uh, going to be the starting tight end on Arizona, was also on that high school team. Yeah, we were just talking about Mason Graham. That dude is a monster. Only a yeah. sophomore. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jason, man, we appreciate you uh, you taking some time and uh, and letting everybody know what a uh, little bit more about Johnny Nansen. And now, I guess Johnny Nansen's going to help Sark find a defensive line coach. You know it. it- He's very close to Jason Kafusi, who's Arizona's defensive line coach. I don't know if he's a big enough name for Texas, but don't be surprised if that name comes up because they are they are very close and another Polynesian guy. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, Jason, appreciate it, my man. Happy New Year, and thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, right, Jason. Jason. Appreciate you, man. Here, wildcatauthority.com. Uh, for all your latest Arizona Wildcats news. If you're just tuning in, Bo Davis has been announced as the new defensive line coach at LSU. Um, This is all about 
him wanting to coach his son, Bo, B-E-A-U, who is currently at uh, Southeast Louisiana and has, you know, he's not, he's not a big impact guy, but LSU has said, um, we'll, we'll get him into school and you can coach him. So, um, and obviously we know how important this is because Steve Sarkeesian has a son, Brady, who is a walk-on linebacker at Texas. So it's uh look for football coaches. This is how they spend time with their kids. Yeah. This is how they get a chance to spend time with their kids. Cause the job is so demanding that if you can hang out with them around the football facility, uh, it's your chance to catch up on lost time and all that. So um, yeah, it's uh it's it's big news today. Not not a total shock, but there were some hoops that LSU had to get through here, um, including a big buyout. Um, I know it's at least a million dollars that um, LSU someone's going to have to pay to get Bo out of out of that contract. So it's um, it's it's certainly a, a big development. Uh, today let's get a couple of words in here for apple leasing i'm telling you it's a new year how about a new car how about getting into a car you really want to be driving and you're not paying for the future trade-in value of the car so if you're a person who just buys used cars because you don't want to pay for that future trade-in value at apple leasing you're only paying for the car while you're driving it so you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford and it's under warranty and you're picking everything, interior, exterior, new car smell. Um, you've never had a new car experience like this. So easy. The easy lease. You're picking any make and model of car. And say you want to change make and model of car two, three years into the lease, no problem. The easy lease. Everything's easy about Apple leasing. You're going to be in traffic. You better love the car you're in. Apple leasing makes it so simple. 346-9977. Visit AppleLeasing.com. Um, and, you know, Zay, when, when we look at the, uh, uh, well, I'll just get into the, the chip shot right now. Um, I guess before I do brainvault.com for all you athletes out there or parents or coaches of athletes who are in any kind of a, a contact situation, whether it's lacrosse, flag, football, cheerleading. Um, the Brain Vault Mouth Guard developed right here in Austin by Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T, um, proven, patented to reduce the effects of concussion. And it they've thought of everything. It, this is the best fitting mouth guard you've ever experienced. I have my own Brain Vault Mouth Guard and went through the process of getting fitted for it. So easy and yet what an investment. So listen, if you're the team coach or manager or team mom, team parent, just go to brainvault.com and set up a fitting. They do group fittings and they will come to you. They couldn't make it any more simple. Brainvault.com. And of course, um, audiovisual consultations, our man, Tom McKay, getting you in, making sure you have the ultimate big screen, new lighting, Surveillance, uh, electronic shades, 
And from the free consultation to installation, all you have to do is call 255-8678 and they'll bring everything to you. Tom and his crew bring everything to you. You got better things to do. So avconsultations.com is the website and um, hoopsatx.com, making sure that, you know, don't give your kids video games, give them a reason to get outside, play some basketball on a in-ground basketball goal adjustable so your kids grow up with that basketball hoop and can dunk at an early age and until it gets right up to 10 feet. Um, hoopsatx.com and, of course, cover three, the ultimate place to enjoy high-end food and see your team win, play the game. Uh, cover three on Anderson, cover three in Round Rock, cover two at 183 and Lake Creek. Make sure you try out the Sean Adams prime rib sandwich. Um, all right. The chip shot today, We, uh, I was going to go on about my man Dylan DeZue and how he may have changed the whole outlook for the Texas basketball season. Um, but I will shift gears. I'll let my man Zay handle that. And I will talk about um, Bo Davis. And here's, okay, here's a jolt to your your team, your culture. Um, and your culture should carry the day here. And so Steve Sarkeesian's no dummy. If this, he knows this is coming. He's talking to all the recruits. I've seen the comments rolling in from folks worrying about kids wanting to leave DeAndre Robinson, you know, Melvin Hills, whatever. Um, and here's the thing with Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff and this team, uh, the culture is, this is where your culture gets tested. And, you know, even Alfred Collins, I mean, Alfred Collins could, you know, change his mind, I guess, but this is where your culture gets tested and you are about more than one person. Now, granted, having that person be your position coach, it's a jolt because you know that Bo Davis has helped develop some of the best defensive linemen um, in college football, wherever he's been, at Alabama, at LSU, uh, when he was the strength coach there. How about that? Mm. Bo Davis, the strength coach in 03 under Nick Saban at LSU when they won the national championship and then went with Nick Saban to the Miami Dolphins and then went with uh, Nick Saban to Alabama, coached at Alabama a couple different times, of course, coached at Texas under Mac Brown and um, coached the Detroit Lions. That's where Texas hired him from. But this is, this is about the team coming together about Steve Sarkeesian letting the players know we're going to go hire the best defensive line coach um, in the country. Uh, we understand that Bo Davis wants to go coach his son. It's a rare opportunity. I'm doing it with my son, Brady here at Texas. And you send that reassuring message right away. And yeah, here's, you know, it's a good point here from Jose. Is Sark made a bad hire yet? Um, he inherited Andre Coleman from Tom Herman and then decided to let him go in favor of Brennan Marion. And 
and then Brennan Marion gets the job at UNLV as offensive coordinator. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian hires Chris Jackson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's Texas is one of the hottest places to be um, because of a, they have resources B they have a coach who's got stuff lined up and in place. ESPN member the er, way too early rankings that came out yesterday have Texas at number two. Um, And so Sark's been through a hell of a lot tougher than this in his life. And I expect Steve Sarkeesian to send that calming message across the, across the Moncrief Newhouse football complex, settle everybody down and then go, um, go out and hire the best defensive line coach available and, and take his time. Make sure you get the right guy. And Sarkeesian has shown us that he's willing to take his time. He took his time on the wide receiver coaching hire. He took his time on the hire of Johnny Nansen, although I think Sark and Nansen knew, but they wanted to get through the football games at the end of the year. Um, And so, look, Steve Sarkeesian, this is – he's watched Nick Saban handle this every year. Nick Saban gets coordinators hired every year and has to go replace them. And, and Saban always goes after the best. He went after Ryan Grubb at Washington. Grubb stayed because he knew they had a special team and Grubb was right. And, and so Sark's seen how this plays out. He knows everybody in football. I'll be stunned if Sark doesn't make a great hire. Uh, to replace Bo Davis. And, you know, there are a lot of really talented defensive line coaches. Obviously, there's an attachment with Texas fans with Bo Davis because of the rant that Zay played earlier after the Iowa State game. They lost 30-7. to There were non-believers on that bus, and Bo Davis wanted to let them have it, and he let them have it and said, some of you MFers need to get in the portal. and. Y'all think this is funny? I just got my ass kicked. And every Texas fan could feel it and appreciated it and loved his fire. He was so fired up in that rant, he couldn't even get the words out. At different, oh, he was tearing up. You could hear him getting choked up of how pissed off and passionate he was about that 2021 squad. And Steve Sarkeesian said that rant, was one of the tipping points for the changing of the culture in the program. And Sark said, I joke with Bo Davis, they're going to build you a statue, Bo, in the north end of DKR for that rant. And and so that's why this is super tough news today because Texas fans remember that low point. They remember Bo Davis's fire. They remember how, how much he wanted to get this changed and was willing to put his his you know voice to that and did and you know someone secretly recorded it and Steve Sarkeesian was asked were you nervous when that first came out and he was like honestly no like that's that's what everyone needed to hear and he was like I was worried only that bus 
you know, we have 14 buses. I was worried only that bus was going to hear what Bo had to say. And now they got rid of that player who recorded it, but um, everybody heard it. And, and that's why there's, you know, extra sentimental attachment to Bo Davis. That and the fact that he coached the two highest rated interior defensive linemen in college football this year into Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy. So um, look, when you're hot, you're hot. And in this situation for Bo Davis, it involves him wanting to coach his son. And I was told point blank by someone who was involved that this was really important to Bo Davis, that it wasn't, you know, even if it's only for a year, I mean, his son is, spent three years in college football already. He's got all kinds of eligibility left because he hasn't played. Um, and I don't think he'll ever play at LSU, maybe on special teams, but either way, again, this is how coaches get to spend time with their kids is if they're getting to coach them because they're in the same place, all those hours that is required of, of football players. So I think Steve Sarkeesian, the way that he's handled everything else, I'll be shocked if he doesn't make a great hire. So, Yeah, I'm right there with you. And to what you just said about Sark knowing people, like you always hear the saying, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. So Sark's going to be calling around the nation, asking guys, hey, who do you think fits this spot? Who do you think understands what I'm about and understands what the University of Texas is about, specifically the football program going to the SEC? We need that because Bo Davis will be missed. And just kind of go to the person Bo Davis is, like dude wants to coach his son. If he probably didn't have a kid, he might still be at Texas now. You know, he might even look past the fact that LSU is where he went and played college during the mid 90s. But he said straight up, I want to coach my kid. And you're talking about a coach's son throwing this at you. My pops always says to everyone, one of the highlights of his career was coaching his two boys, me and my brother, Brandon. I don't know why, because we just gave him two district championships out of the five years combined that we played varsity. But still, like, that's just – it's different. It's a different feeling. And, again, like I said earlier in the show, I wouldn't trade those moments for the world. All those moments getting yelled at and blood, sweat, and tears and stuff, I would not trade those moments for the world playing for my pops, man. It was some of the greatest moments of my life. So I, I get it. I really do what Bo Davis is trying to do there. And it's LSU. Come on. We're talking about one of the Blue Bloods. We're talking about, like, the state of Louisiana, the players that they produced, man, and just the talent that you see that comes out of Baton Rouge. Like, it's not like he's going to rump roast. It'd be different if his son played at Illinois or something or Boston College. Sorry, Bucky. But you know where I'm getting here. Like, this is LSU. This is still on the same level. It's still SEC football. You know what I'm saying? So you can't knock Bo whatsoever. Yes, it hurts, but with how hot Texas is right now, with how positive things are going, yeah, Sark should be able to hire another A-quality coach, and they should be able to come in and understand what's going on here at the 40 Acres and produce just like Bo Davis did. Yeah. All right, let's get to the right call. 
Yes, sir. Before before the right call, though, shout out Covert BK, the family-owned automotive dealerships have been doing it for over a hundred years. They've been doing it at a high-quality rate with new and pre-owned vehicles that you can choose from with outstanding service and customer satisfaction. Shout out to Covert BK. They got Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram as seven terrific brands to choose from. Go to CobraBeeCave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Don't stop riding around in that bucket. That check engine light, man. You don't want to keep taking it to the shop over and over again. You take it to the shop. You spend about 800 You come back. You're in it for two weeks. And then, boom, 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 boom. You hear all types of stuff with the hood. And you got to pull over on 35. And you're trying to call folks. And people honking at you. You don't want those problems so just go to covert bk to take care of it nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever all right chip the right call today we gotta talk about texas basketball man as you said dylan the might have saved the season you go on two in the big 12 no quad one wins rodney terry's team is down bad but thanks to dylan the thanks to max Asmus. Thanks to the fight of guys like Zerik Oyema, which I've told you, he needs more minutes. You know, Caden Shedrick out with the back spasms. We'll bring him back along slowly, but Zerik Oyema is going to give you some toughness. No, he's not Hakeem Olajuwon. I get that. No, he's not David Robinson. He's not going to be one of those guys that's going to face you up and jab step you and get you buckets like we saw Dylan Sue give you that 33 last night. He's not that guy, but he's going to give you toughness. He's going to give you heart, and he's going to give you athleticism that you desperately need in different times like a game last night in Cincinnati. That was a gritty, hard-fought win by the Texas Longhorns. And on the other side for Cincinnati, if I'm Wes Miller – head coach i'm somebody's gonna have to take me out in cuffs because that max ace shot shouldn't have even counted he traveled bad right before he took that shot to win the game caught the ball off a dribble loop he did a little weird just couldn't stop himself you know in his tracks and his feet slid and i go oh my gosh the ref was right there cincinnati fans brutal brutal the ref was right there, missed it. He threw it back to Dylan DeSue. Dylan DeSue threw it right back to Max Aismas. And this is just his shot-making ability and shot-creating ability is special. Because to be at that size and to be able to get that shot off, like he was in the air and the dude that contested it went past him. Max Aismas at five foot ten, five foot eleven at best is still in the air, Chip. Hesitate, pause on the jumper just to give himself a little bit more time to get it off clean. He does that, gets a lucky bounce, and the Horns are coming back to the ATX with their first win in the Big 12, first quad one win of the season. And, yeah, that might have saved the season straight up. Like, we were talking about it yesterday. Yeah, it was a lucky bounce. You'll take that. Shooter's touch. That's what we call it where I'm from, uh, Paxton. You know what I'm saying? And Dylan DeSue, I mean – I said that he should be starting. I he talked about him being on a Millix restriction, whatever. Got 34 minutes last night. He gave you 33 points. Like Victor Locken, yo, he's going to be having nightmares about Dylan DeSue for a very long time. Because when Dylan DeSue dunked on that dude off of just a smooth pump fake one dribble, yo, that's different. That's what the NBA scouts want to see. Dylan DeSue gave them buckets every way possible. 
stepping out, hitting the three. He hit four of them things, 40% from the field from three, 13 for uh, 23, excuse me, from the field as a whole, getting to the bucket, butter rolls, shooting that floater, getting in the post, getting to his spot, giving a lock in a little bump with the right shoulder, then fading back. He gave them buckets every which way possible, and it was so impressive, man. You know, and this goes back to his training. I know who Dylan DeSue trains with. So do you, Chip. Both of us, we've talked to him. Zach Urbanis, product of Bowie High School, played for my pop CC. One of the best basketball minds I ever met. Ever met. If you have kids, Zach trains kids. Zach trains pros. Zach trains college guys. He doesn't discriminate one bit. If you have a child that wants to hoop, Take him to BTY basketball. Zach Urbanis. He trains Dylan Tassou, and you see what happens with Dylan Tassou. Now, Dylan Tassou works hard, and he deserves all the love that he gets. But, hey, you got to train somewhere. You got to have the right habits. And, Zach, he'll get you right. So, I'm not surprised Dylan Tassou is dominating like this. I will stand on saying if Dylan Tassou didn't get hurt last season, that Texas team's a Final Four team, and they move on against Miami, and who knows what. Like, yeah, UConn looked good, but that Texas team in 2023 with the way Dylan DeSue was playing, if he was healthy, that team could have won a national championship for sure. And I hate it that we didn't get the chance to see that because Dylan DeSue, when he's out there, he's a special player, man. Like he is. His ability to knock down the outside shot. And now that opens up everything for everybody else, Chip. When you have your big knocking down outside shots, what does that mean? That means another big on the other team is guarding him. So that big stepping on the outside, they can't be down low. This isn't the NBA. There's no defensive three seconds. Your big could just camp in the paint all day and be big and just get in the way of your guards trying to make things happen with floaters and different layups. Now that big has to step out because Dylan DeSue's out here hitting four threes and shit. And now Max Aceman has ability to go to the rack and Dylan Mitchell could get those dunks that he did last night. And Tyrese Hunter could go coast to coast because we're worried about Dylan DeSue knocking down the three. Hell of a job by Rodney Terry not calling the timeout when Newman missed that free throw. Tough free throw to miss. He got to knock him down front of the one and one. He didn't. Rodney Terry didn't call a timeout. Great move because some people are like, call a timeout, coach. Make sure you get your right play in there. No, you don't do that. You tell Max A. Smith, like Coach Terry did before they're on the free throw line, hey, we're running this. You practice that. Because you do not want that defensive team to set up on D, get their defensive players in the game, and now you have your best defensive guys against, you know, your best offensive guys for the last play. Instead, you get the ball off a rebound. Now everybody's scattering around and trying to figure out matchups and stuff. People can't switch and do different things because everybody's just pointing and trying to get settled. And you go at them like they did last night on that two-man game with Max Aces and Dylan DeSue. Much needed win, big time win. Dylan DeSue better start for the rest of the season. Brock or Caden Shadrick, we're just gonna have to understand it's not their time. And let's roll. It's the Big 12. Houston lost last night. You know what I'm saying? BYU lost again, so now they got two. It's the Big 12. Kansas, if they didn't get completely lucky with that bogus ref call on the flagrant foul, they almost lost to Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, man, it's up for grabs. Anybody could get it. So I love it. That was a huge win. That should give the Horns a lot of confidence moving forward. Well, 
Brock is an energy guy off the bench anyway. And the zoo, you know, he missed the first nine games while getting back medically cleared from the offseason foot surgery. And they had him on a minutes count. And then that went away last night. And this is the Dylan DeZoo we saw at the end of last year. And he's not afraid. That's the thing. Like, it, it'd be one thing if if it was on Yema with 33 points. But this is Dylan DeZoo who took over the Big 12 tournament. And that was when Timmy Allen got hurt. Yeah. And Rodney Terry went to DeZoo and said, hey, we need you to pick it up offensively. That's all he had to say. Dylan DeZoo averaged 18 and 9 in the Big 12 tournament and then averaged 22 and 10 in two NCAA tournament games against Colgate and Penn State. And against Penn State, they were up 11. And then Penn State went on a big old run and was up by three with 448 left. They're in a huddle. And Rodney Terry's getting ready to call a play for Marcus Carr. And Marcus Carr says, no, call it for Dylan because he's on fire. And they come out of that timeout and DeZue scores 10 of the next 12 points. And Texas expands their lead back out and they beat Penn State. DeZue can handle it. This is why he came back. And that's what I love because he was giving it to you all over the floor offensively and defensively four steals yeah two two blocks um this team has been looking for a leader has been looking for a focal point someone they can count on and Dylan Dazoo is this team's best chance everything needs to run through Dylan Dazoo he needs more post touches before those guards take any more of those Transition threes, Tyrese Hunter, um, who took a transition three on a 4-2 break. Um, DeZoo needs more touches. And he's not going to have this game every night. We know that. But now here's my question for you, Zay. He was at the five last night, Dylan Mitchell at the four. So he was dragging the big guys out shooting threes, and it was a mismatch nightmare. When Caden Shedrick comes back from his back spasms, does Shedrick go right back in at the five and DeZue's at the four, Dylan's at the three. Dylan's going to be in more of a matchup, you know, a straight-up matchup at the four, obviously, than being a stretch five. What do you do there if you're Rodney Terry? Yeah, uh, that's going to be a bit of an issue. And that's why you need Brock Cunningham to knock down shots because teams are just going to keep leaving him open to give more attention to Dylan DeSue. So I do like him at the five, but it also depends on who they're playing. You know, are they playing a team that has a four that might be a little smaller, where if you were to play Caden Shedrick with the Sioux, that allows the Sioux to take that guy inside more. But Caden Shedrick, you're going to have to step out a little bit. You can't be on the block right next to him. That spacing will be terrible. 
So I, I don't know. It's just kind of it's from game to game. That's why coaching is very difficult. And Ronnie Terry and the rest of the coaching staff, they're going to have their hands full on making certain decisions. And you just got to have a good feel for the game on where the mismatches are. You know, I want I want Dylan to sue on the perimeter and in the post kind of 50 50. I need him on that pick and pop dribble loop situations where when the guards are attacking inside due to the big man being out because Dylan DeSue is such a threat from the perimeter. I, I, I like that. That's when Texas is playing their best ball. But if Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham, if they're not going to produce, which Brock Cunningham, he had a tough offensive night last night anyway, because you got to play Dylan Mitchell. He's you can't take him out. He's too athletic. He's too, you know, skilled overall. He took a shot yesterday that was so broke. It was just like vanilla ice broke. It was brutal. It was a pull up. And I was like, Lord have mercy. We That can't happen. He get to the rim, dude. And then when yeah. he started getting to the rim, he Clean started shooting a little floater and stuff. That's, that's what you need. Yeah. Like, that's what you need. So. And that in, in Zedrick on Yama. Give me rebounds, give me block shots, and go clean up misses. Anyema can play 10 minutes if he gives you that. He can he can spell Dylan Mitchell. Mitchell is like a ball of energy that just needs to be channeled. When he's locked in, he's a double-double, like, easy. Yeah. When he's kind of looking around, it like, I think he took two shots in the second half. I don't think his rebounds went up much, you know, he's got to be that guy. And, and I'm, I'm going to say it right here, right now, Kendall Weaver needs more minutes because defensively he can help. He can help. If Ace miss is getting attacked, he can double, he can, he's quick enough to double anywhere. He needs to be the double guy for the perimeter defense. They have no, no one to set the tone defensively on the perimeter it's I thought it was gonna be Tyrese Hunter it's not and I know people are like you can't play Kendall Weaver he can't shoot I don't care he, he'll go create possessions and he'll give energy to that team and I got I know I can I gotta get the ball to Ace Smith I gotta get the ball to Dylan DeZue and that's you gotta have some defense on the on the perimeter. So. Yeah, I, I know Coach Terry. He's still banking for IT Horton to come out of this slump, man. And I wow. thought he was in the UT Arlington game right before Big 12 play started because he had a solid game there. But, again, it was UT Arlington. They beat those dudes. You know, they should beat them. But he, he's trying to manage Weaver and Horton's minutes to see which one's going to break out because they're both – you know, one is capable of hitting shots while the other one's capable, like you said, Weaver, of setting the tone defensively. And it's just like both of them aren't doing enough where you're confident saying, okay, these are your minutes for sure. They're just still trying to figure it out. If they could both break out of the slump, that'd be ideal. But, yeah, I I don't know because Lukosius, he was shooting right over the top of Tyree Hunter and uh, Max Aismas. He had Max Aismas in the post at the end where they went up by three and he hit that fadeaway. And luckily Dylan DeSue came down and, you know, hit that shot that hit every part of the rim and Newman missed that free throw. That was huge, but yeah, they still got some things to figure out, man. And 
And they got to figure mean, it out fast because they got to win against West Virginia. They have to win against Central Florida because then it turns gauntlet. into gauntlet. And look, no one's going to expect you to beat Houston. No one's going to expect you to beat Baylor. But you can pick up some valuable confidence against West Virginia and against Central Florida that might allow you to surprise. You know how guys tend to get up for those big games. Suddenly everyone's shots falling. And if this team is what I think it is, then I bet they'll play up when they see a team like, you know, Houston. But, yeah, that was big last night because what Dazu was doing, it, you know, there was a 12-3 run that got Texas up 27-20, and Dazu scored 10 of the points. When, when Cincinnati, and they're in Cincinnati, and the crowd's going nuts, when Cincinnati takes a three-point lead on a 6-0 run, Dazu hit the answer basket with 43 seconds left. And he's not afraid. He wants it. And and that's big because I thought when Marcus Carr got the ankle injury against Miami and Texas, is, it's a tie game with a minute left. And then Brock takes one too many steps back and gets called for a foul when he's got a guy over his back. And when they needed that shot late, Brock and Timmy, they didn't have the body language. They didn't want that shot. You got to have a guy like Dylan DeZu. And, and so Rodney Terry has got, he's got a chance here to redirect this team and, pump some life back into it because Dylan DeZoo gave them that life last night. Yeah, Ace hit the game winner, but Dylan DeZoo carried that team to that Yo, point. When he dunked on Lockin, oh, my gosh. That made me get out of my seat. That was so nasty. And then Tyrese Hunter got dunked on a little bit later after that. But still. <laughs> did you see Did you see when DeZoo was guarding that guy in the post? And the guy was like bumping into him and so pulled the chair Dylan, under him, pulled the chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dylan just stepped out of his way and the kid fell and threw the ball away. And oh my god. Transition three for Ace Miss. Old heads who drink beer when they play pickup have been doing that move since the George Mikan days, man. That is a classic OG move right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's bring in the friggin'. <laughs> well, we're going to music early. Damn, just let it play. Let it play. Yeah, y'all, y'all take it. 